The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning. Aren't they awesome? I get to spend every day with them. Oh, I got to turn my phone off. All right. Well, it's good to be with you, everybody, here today. Um, my name is Steve. As uh, Pastor mentioned, I am the new president of Luther Rice College and Seminary. I've been at Luther Rice for just over 10 years now. I've got some extremely large shoes to fill with uh, Dr. Flanagan, who was faithful to Luther Rice for over 27 years. Uh, just, I'm just so honored to be able to have this opportunity to pour into men and women uh, for the furthering of God's kingdom through the use of Christian higher education. Um, I'm extremely honored to be able to stand in this pulpit. Uh, back in May, I stood here and I conferred over 150 degrees of undergraduate and graduate degrees. 150 Lutherized students walked across this stage last May, and I got to shake each and every one of their hands. So you at First Baptist Conyers are extremely integrated into the life of Lutherized College and Seminary. My quick plug is that we have undergraduate degrees, we have graduate degrees, and we have doctoral degrees. And don't you tell me that you are too old to go back to school if you're thinking that, or you're too young to go to school. We have folks all the way from 18, 19 years old, all the way up into 80 years old. Um, actually, our average age student is anywhere between 40 and 50 years old, and you can complete your degrees 100% online, and you have the benefit of coming to our campus so I would, Doctor uh, Pastor is going to mention a little bit more after this, but I wouldn't be the president if I didn't do a plug for our school. But we are the conservative option for Christian higher ed. Uh, we're going to get to it at the end of my sermon, but there's a lot of false doctrine right now out there, isn't there? Um, people's ears are itching. They're raising up teachers to teach that. I call it garbage, and. Um, we're here to teach the Word of God, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the Word. Amen? But before we get into the pastor's I just want to recognize several people that are affiliated with Luther Rice, a, a Dr. David Phillips, uh, member here, uh, Dr. T uh, David Mapes, how, f let me tell you, he was my theology teacher. <laughs> so the nerves in my belly right now to get this thing right, Whew. Plug your ears, Doc. All right? We got Miss Vanessa, uh, Miss Tiny, who just sang. Uh, JMO, Pastor JMO is a, a current student of Luther Rice and a graduate. We've got Ryan Green here. Um, oh, I just met Miss Melinda Wilson. She graduated this past year. Sarah is a, is a Luther Rice student right now. And if I missed anybody, I, I'm sorry. Just saw my old buddy Maurice. I don't know where Maurice is back there. Uh, went to Haiti with Maurice several times. Good to see you, brother. Uh, just a good man of God, him and his wife. Um, so this morning, oh, and I have to mention, you told me to mention, yesterday on the campus of Luther Rice, we had over 180 Hispanic pastors on our campus. Um, it was a preaching conference. The first ever, it was a conference, something in Spanish, I don't know how to say it exactly. But uh, what these 180 pastors did was they signed a statement it's called the Atlanta Statement, signed on Luther Rice College and Seminary's campus. Uh, the sufficiency of Christ, the, uh, the importance of the local church, and um, in the sufficiency, the, in the sufficiency, sufficiency of Scripture. 
So these 180 pastors signed this because in that, in that uh, culture, in that, in that Hispanic church, the, the gentleman who was leading this yesterday told me that there's a, there's a prevailing um, tug towards a prosperity gospel and they want to draw them closer to this word, amen, and what this word says. So we're going to speak about the word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open them to the gospel of John. And it's going to be real easy. It's going to be verse 1. Gospel of John, verse 1. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time, this opportunity to open your word. We stand under your word, not over your word, Father. Let it speak to us today. Lord, transform us. Make us more like Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to speak about the word. God speaks how it is the divine expression of who God is. And the word was with us, was here in the beginning. And let's start in verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, then there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not yet know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is God's word, amen? So this word that we see spoken by the, the Apostle John here this morning, the word is a person distinct from the Father, The Word is the Son of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. As the the Word in the flesh, Jesus Christ is God's final word to mankind. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, 2, it says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. One author put it like this. He says, his word, it's, it's God's message. It's God's self-expression. God has revealed himself to humanity through scripture and through his son. Both perfectly embody the essence of what truth is. You see, we see, Scott, we see God speaking his words, and they have a tremendous impact all throughout Scripture. 
In fact, in Genesis, we see God speaking, and what happens? He creates through his word. We see him speaking through his prophets. We see him speaking to Moses. Um, in the Old Testament, we see him speaking in the New Testament. Same God. Jesus is the word that the Father has used to reveal himself to us. And it's his saving grace that he revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. So let's look at verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. When the heavens and the earth were created back in the book of Genesis, the word, the Son of God, he was already there. He was not created. He existed from all eternity past. It doesn't say in the beginning was the word when the word was created. No, the word, he's, he's existed eternally as the Son of God. And then we know, about 2,000 years later, that Son of God, we'll get to that in a second, decided not to count heaven as a place that he needed to stay forever, but then he took on the form of a man, right? And came in the flesh. But prior to coming in the flesh, the incarnation, the Son of God, the Word, has existed from eternity past and will exist into eternity future. In the beginning was the Word, was, to get all technical with you from a seminary president, I got to get a little technical with you, right? In that original language, was, it's, it's, it's in the imperfect tense. It's a continuous action. It means he, he continually existed from the beginning. So don't let anybody tell you that Jesus was created or the Son of God was created at some point. No, you point back to John 1.1 1, 1 and you say, no, he's existed from eternity past. In fact, another way to render or read the first sentence of John 1.1, 1, 1, it would be something like this. When the beginning began, how do you like that? When the beginning began, the word was already there. When the beginning began, the word was already there. And it's not a particular time, a moment in time. This assumes a, a timeless eternity. And all we have to do is look at a couple passages of scriptures to, to confirm what the Apostle John just didn't make this up. He didn't decide, well, I'm going to take out my pen today and I'm going to write this word and I'm going to confuse a lot of people and talk about it. No. Go back to Psalm 33, 6. Psalmist wrote, By the word of Jehovah were the heavens made. By the word of Jehovah the heavens were made. Well, the Apostle John did write 1 John, right? So... We go 1 John verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, 3. He wrote this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our own hands. John's saying, I touched with my own hands this man, Jesus. Which we have looked upon and have touched with our own hands concerning, what does he say? The word of life. John again calls him the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life. Then we go to the end, again written by the Apostle John, the book of Revelation. And we see when Jesus is going to come again. You know Jesus is coming back again, right? 
Amen? Man, I was convicted the other day. I had a shirt on that says the gospel saves. And I, we were up in North Georgia mountains and we were going to antiquing. My wife likes to antique. By the way, my wife is not here today. She sends her love, but we just had a new grandbaby. And um, there is no way I'm going to tear that grandbaby out of the clutches of her hands right now. Amen? So she is home right now with my daughter um, with that grandbaby. But I digress. Anyway, so I had this shirt on. And a guy came up to me, and he was a Christian. He says, what is the gospel? And I told him the gospel. But you know what I left out? That Jesus is coming back. And he says, you left one thing out, Ryan. I said, what's that? He said, Jesus is coming back. I was like, oh, gosh. I felt convicted. I'm a seminary president. I'm not supposed to leave that part out, but I did. So when you share the gospel, remember, Jesus is coming back. And John says in Revelation 19, 11 through 13, he says, Then I saw the heavens open, and then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judge and makes war. Verse 12, His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he, was, and he has the name written that no one knows but himself. And listen to what he says in verse 13. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. John calls him again the Word of God. And we see Jesus praying in John 17 to the Father. He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence when the glory that I had with you before the world even existed. That's a, I've said all that to say Jesus has existed from eternity past and will exist in eternity future. And he's God. And the word was God, it says here in verse 1. He's not a God. There's other translations and other groups that will try to translate this to say that Jesus is a God. Again, I'm not going to get super technical with you, but if you go in and the Hebrew scholars can parse this thing out, the way that that sentence structure is worded in, 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 the, uh, in the Greek, it's, it's truly Jesus, or the word, is God. He's not a God. So let's look at verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. That's just real easy. Another way to look at that, another way to translate that is he was face to face with the Father. He was with God, the Son of God. The Word is face to face, knees to knees, nose to nose. You ever sat like that before with somebody? With the Father. It's a picture of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three distinct persons, right, Dr. Mapes? Same essence, right, God? Three distinct, I got it. See, I, I passed his class. Here we see a beautiful picture of the Trinity. Verse three, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Christ, the word, is responsible for creation. Christ was not created. Son of God is not created. In fact, it says here that all things were created through the word. Pre-existence, involved in creation, superior to all things. This sets apart anything that the pagan folks believed at that time. Not only creation, but he sustains all things. I held my grandbaby last night. I just watched her. She's like four days old, and she's just trying to breathe, you know, just 
just their little mouth, just, I'm going to talk about my grandbaby all day long. I tell you, and I was just holding her. And I'm like, Lord, you are sustaining this little peanut, you know? You sustain all things. Colossians 1, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Paul wrote, He is the image of the invisible God, writing of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or the rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We even sang about that this morning, Sarah. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. That's the sustaining part. All things, everything that's going on right now, the fact that we're able to breathe in oxygen, exhale carbon dioxide, he's sustaining all that right now. Verse 19, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward now to verse 14. Because when you're reading through this, you say, okay, so John's writing about the word. How do you know, Steve, that this word is in fact the Son of God and Jesus? Well, John's real clear. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father. So if you're walking somebody through this, and they're saying, who is this word? Run them right down to verse 14 and say, John explains it for you. The Word became flesh, who eternally existed as the Son of God, became flesh in Jesus at the Incarnation. The Incarnation is when Jesus became flesh. He, he was a born of a virgin. Philippians 2. Who loves the chapter of Philippians, uh, chapter 2 of Philippians, right? One of the most amazing I just said Colossians was. This is second, right? Right behind it. Passages of Scripture. Paul wrote, Though he was in the form of God, he's writing this of Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then he goes on to say that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Paul is being really clear to confirm what John is saying here. Yes, John, the Word became flesh. We are brothers. We understand this because the Holy Spirit of God has taught both of us and has inspired us to write these passages of Scripture. Jesus coming in the flesh was the greatest way that the Father could show his love for us. Amen? Has your life been changed by the Word of God today? Can you say that your life has never been the same since you've learned and understand and accepted Christ as your Savior? I could say it. I'm a completely different person. Still sin, I still sin, which I abhor, but at the same time, that sin, when I stand before the Father one day, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, I don't see your son, but I see Christ covering you. Amen? Your sins are forgiven. Now, I wouldn't be doing a very good job with this passage of Scripture, and Dr. Mapes is probably saying, Steve, you're missing, out the, you're missing the biggest part of this whole thing. It's the logos, that word 
is the logos. When you look at the word, in the beginning was the word. It's the Greek word logos. And, and so the Hebrews reading this would have said, yeah, you're, you're talking about God. You know, God was an expression of divine power and wisdom. It's just who God is. But they didn't, they didn't see Jesus in this logos. To the Greeks reading this word, they would have said, oh, you're talking about the impersonal, the abstract principle of reason that governs the universe. They, they believed, it's kind of like you listen to scientists this day. I do a lot of, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And uh, I like listening to a lot of scientists and biologists. And, and, and sometimes I even listen to atheists because I want to hear what they're saying, what their argumentation is for how this all came to being. So that it sharpens my apologetic method and it it sharpens me in my faith. And time and time again, I hear these guys and these ladies just saying, well, it's it's, it's unexplainable. There's just this force or this, 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 this presence that we can't explain, but it just all came together. And it's, and it's very impersonal. It's very abstract. You know, they get to the point of God and then they back up and they go, oh, I can't go there. And then they tiptoe closer to it and then they back up. And I'm like, you're so close. <laughs> it's Jesus. But they can't go to that personal relationship. So it's, it's kind of the same thing here. When, when the Greeks were, Greeks were explaining how the universe came into being and, and how this all was sustained and how this all works, it was, it was reason, it was, it was uh, order, it was knowledge, it was just their logos. But it was very impersonal. The philosophers of the day used it to express the central principle of the universe, uh, the spirit that pervaded the world or the ultimate reason that controlled all things. Um, they just couldn't explain it though. And here we get John taking their word. Logos. He says, you missed it. It's a person. He is a person. The word logos. Expressing the nature of Christ. The personification, the embodiment of the logos. Not impersonal like the Greeks. Not a force, not a principle but a person. Jesus, the Word, the Logos, is responsible for the creation of all things. He holds all things together. He is the source of reason, Pastor. He is the source of our knowledge. Paul took it and said, this is the truth. Amen? He uses the word Logos to show that Jesus had a universal impact, not just a local one. And he spoke with authority. One author said this, in Jesus, the true Logos, who was God, became a man. They had to blow their minds. They're going, I've never heard this before. It's a big difference. Jesus is not, I mean, John is not speculating on a philosophical concept like the Greeks would have been. Instead, John is bearing witness to the experiential reality that is Jesus. And the word, I, I love the fact that your pastor is taking you through the attributes of God. I think that's so important as a church to understand the, the, the key doctrines of the faith and to understand who God is. It's really, really powerful. And it, you've got a great, I'm not just saying this because I like him, you've got a great man of God leading this church, amen? 
If he's going to take you through the attributes of God, that shows, that shows me that he loves you enough to show you who God is. But the word is not an attribute of God. It's not a quality or a characteristic to God. The word is God. He's a person. He is Jesus. And as Christians, we stand firmly on this following truth. Everybody in here, as a Christian, we stand firmly on this truth. Jesus Christ is the eternal pre-existent word who enjoys full face-to-face communion with the Father and himself is God. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the logos. The rationale for all things. The explanation for all things. In the beginning was Jesus. Amen? Now there's when you're looking at this word, the written word, there's, there's several things we have to understand. A couple things we have to understand. First, there's this thing called general revelation. General revelation, as you look around, and, and, and as Paul said in, in the book of Romans, he says, you see the invisible qualities, and, and you see the, I'm, I'm, I'm superimposing some of his words here, but you see, the, you see your fingers, you see the trees, you see the bird, you see the air you breathe. You're without excuse to believe that there's a God. You, there, there's no excuse for you to say there's no God because all you have to do is look and you see his invisible qualities everywhere. That's what he says in Roman 1. That's general revelation. We see it. We see the order. We say there's got to be a creator. Right? Amen? That's general revelation. But that does not save. You can't just look at a tree and say, oh, there must be a God. That doesn't save though. It takes a special revelation a special revelation is through the Son, Jesus Christ, and through this Word. Amen? This special revelation has the key to salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ. General revelation, the trees, the birds, our fingers, our morality, our conscience. Special revelation, God's spoken and written Word. And how did we get this written word? How does God still speak to us today through this word? It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit lifted up and guided men to write this word? In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a cool picture to think that Peter was writing this, carried along by the Holy Spirit from God? That's, that's the technical term called inspiration. If you've heard that, where we say the Bible is the inspired word of God, meaning that it is from God. and The Holy Spirit inspired these men to write this passage of Scripture. John 14, when the Holy Spirit comes, he says, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father I will send in my name. Listen to what he'll do. This is what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will come and, got to get this right, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you in all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. How many times have people said, now come on, Ryan. They wrote this, some of these guys wrote these books like, 20, 30 years after Jesus existed, like after he died, right? How do they know exactly what he said? 
How in the world, I mean, I can't remember what my wife told me this morning as I left the house. How am I 30 years from now going to write scripture, every jot and tittle, exactly the way God wanted it, the way they said it? There's no way. You're right, there is no way without the help of God. Amen? But, look what John says here. It's not by, oh, oh well, I've got to go back to Peter. It's not by, um, it wasn't produced by the will of man, is what Peter said. No, John says up in John 14, Jesus said, he will teach you, the Holy Spirit will teach you things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. That's why we know that this is exactly the way God wants it and what they said. Because the Holy Spirit of God, who lives inside of you right now if you're a Christian, carried men along to write this word. And I say this everywhere I go preach. You have a hard time reading this thing? I do some, from sometimes. Sometimes it's just hard passages of scripture. But do you know the Holy Spirit of God, the author, lives inside of you? It's like cheating. It really is. You've got the author living inside of you. You've got the crib notes living right inside of you. All you have to do is say, Holy Spirit of God, help me, illuminate this for me. Show me your truth. And the author will do it. It's like reading Moby Dick and wanting to say, I wonder what the author had to say about that. Why, Why did he write that passage of scripture? You'd love to go what? Talk to the author, wouldn't you? You have direct access to the author because he lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God. John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And that's the only truth of God. God's word is the divine expression of God. This Bible is his word. It is God-breathed. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So you've heard the word, um, yeah, it, God breathe, God breathe. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, I got ahead of myself, sorry about that. You want to know who God is? We have his written word. But we also have the incarnate word, as John said, Jesus. If you want to know who I am, I got to know you, brother. If you wanted to know who I was, man, let's sit down. Let's talk. You look at me. You talk to me. You listen to me. I listen to you. We get to know each other, right? If you want to know who God is, look at him. It's Jesus. He's Jesus. Talk to him in prayer and listen to him by reading his word. That's how you get to know the creator of this universe, the word. Jesus. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. Then later on in John 17, 17, Jesus praying to the Father says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That word word is the logos. Your word is truth. He's saying, I am truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, your word is truth. Jesus knew exactly who he was. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus didn't proclaim to be God. Amen? All throughout Scripture, Jesus said that he was the Messiah, that he was one with the Father. You have seen the Father. You've seen me. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. It's very clear. Jesus says in John chapter 10, Scripture cannot be broken. 
that leads to the other kind of technical term called inerrancy. Sometimes you hear we say the Bible is the inspired word of God, meaning it's God breathed. The Holy Spirit lifted men up to, to write this. Inerrant means it's just without error. This Bible is without error. It's God breathed and it's without error. Jesus said it cannot be broken. In fact, back in Colossians, Paul wrote that Scripture is called the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ. And again, that word is logos. God has revealed himself to humanity through Scripture and through his Son, both perfectly embody the essence of what truth is. Let me finish with this. What is at stake? I'll tell you what's at stake. Jesus is either the word or he's not. Amen? He's either the truth or he's not the truth. Where do you stand today? Do you believe the truth? I don't want you to believe it because I'm saying, I want you to believe it because the word is here. This is the truth. Will you stake your life on this truth that Jesus is the word? Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that some will not. In fact, Paul says to Timothy that they are raising up teachers right now, the enemy is, to satisfy those who have itching ears for garbage doctrine. They're raising up teachers right now, whether they're in churches that are teaching sound doctrine, or whether they're not in churches, whether they're home right now, getting prepared for Sunday football, which I love. But whatever it is, whatever it is, they're raising up teachers to speak into people's life who are not satisfied with this truth, who is Jesus. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, will turn away from listening to the truth, and they're going to wander off to myths. This is why a church like First Baptist Conyers is essential to a community. It's why it's so important to have men and women who love the Word of God, teach the Word of God in leadership, in the laity, in the pulpit, in the, in the, in the pews. You are making a difference. You're a light into this community. You're a salt to this community. You're preserving this community for Christ. Amen? Because you endure sound doctrine. But I'm here to tell you, there are teachers right now being raised up to satisfy the itching ears of those who won't. And that's why I'm so passionate about what we do at Luther Rice. is because if we don't raise up solid teachers, Pastor, if we don't teach, a, if a Dr. Mapes does not raise up young theologians to preach the accurate word of God, then who's going to do it? No one will. So I ask you to join us today at Luther Rice, whether you become a, a, a supporter, whether you, you, um, uh, you want to enroll, or you just want to pray. Please pray for us. Please partner with us. Because we've got a large task. Our theme verse is 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
We're raising up teachers to combat the teachers the enemy's raising up. Amen? If we don't do it, who will? Because we believe that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Amen? Thank you for your time. Thank you for your continued support of our school. We'll continue to support you as a church in any way that we can. If you need anything at all, you can contact me directly. You can contact direct, uh, Pastor Mark. We love you. We thank God for you. You just have a wonderful, wonderful day. Let me close us in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. God, we just went through a lot really fast. It's like a fire hose. Father, help us sort out what we just heard and let it be satisfying to you to know that today your word was preached hopefully in a clear and and honest and decisive way so that the hearts of believers here will then take it, receive it, and it will change them and become more like Christ and will then go and share it with others. Father, I pray that there, if there's someone here today that's heard this for the first time and does not know you as the word and does not know you as their savior, that, Father, they will come to you today. Respond in just faith. Just say, Jesus, I surrender you. You're my savior. Complete surrender to you. You're the son of God. You're the word. Father, thank you for this day. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.